A basketball hero around here is treated like a god. I mean, how can you ever find out what he could really do? I don't want this to be the high point of his life. I've seen him, the real sad ones. They sit around the rest of their lives talking about the glory days when they were 17 years old. You know, most people would kill to be treated like a god just for a few moments. The Keeping the Nostalgia Live show is sponsored by The Dunk Collection. The Dunk Collection connects sports-minded individuals to basketball-inspired home products meticulously designed to help combat life's most mundane chores. Dirty clothes on the floor? Put a dirty dunk on the door. The Dirty Dunk is the original over-the-door basketball hoop laundry hamper designed to make laundry a slam dunk. Do you have a messy office? Try a document dunk. The original trash can basketball stand designed for those who compete in the corporate arena. You're just one shot away from turning your cubicle into the corner office you deserve. Bath time blues? Make bath time fun with the Scrub-A-Dunk, the original basketball hoop for baby ballers. Attached to the tub and Scrub-A-Dub-Dub. The Dunk Collection, making boring chores a slam dunk. Welcome to Keeping the Nostalgia Alive, the Indiana Basketball Memory Show. I am your host, Billy Powell. Um, go to Keeping the Nostalgia Alive, that's all one word, Keeping the Nostalgia Alive dot podbean, P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com. And hopefully you're actually listening to this on that site, Keeping the Nostalgia Alive dot podbean dot com. But if not, that's where you can go. And, and we're closing in on our 150th inter- interview of uh, Legends of the game of basketball from the state of indiana be it be a be it be a player uh, a coach an official or anybody who's contributed to the game there's uh, plenty of interviews to download listen to it at your convenience uh, listen to it online uh, at any time you would like with that being said i'd like to introduce our guest for the show today uh, he's a um, uh, wood high school woodchuck an arlington golden knight uh, oklahoma sooner uh, a 1979 Indiana All-Star, and we're talking about Charles Burnett, uh, who also went by, of course, Chucky when uh, he was Yankee, Dr. Dunk, if you wanted to also. And uh, uh, Mr. Barnett, thank you so much for spending some time with us to keep the nostalgia alive and talk about this great game of basketball from the state of Indiana. How you doing, Billy? Fantastic. So, who who introduced you, or do you remember your first recollection of the game of basketball, and who introduced you to the game? Um, not really. I just start, I started playing early, early like it when I was in probably like the fourth, third or fourth grade. Started playing pee wee basketball and football up at, at Tabernacle in Indianapolis. Man, Tabernacle was, I mean, I, I even played there, uh, of course, a, a little bit uh, later than you, but uh, th- what a what a place to get uh, your basketball skills started. Yeah, it was wild, man. I met a lot of people. Um, matter of fact, that was me and Mark Clayton. We were on team, me, Aaron, and Darren. And so I, I met a lot of people at, at Tab. So we, we had great football memories and basketball memories up there. And you, when you say Mark Clayton, you're talking about the uh, uh, the wide receiver for that caught several passes and ran for several yards uh, with uh, Dan Marino and the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, yeah, he's a good friend of mine. He lived, matter of fact, he lives here in Houston now. So he got him and my brother golf a lot. They stay on the golf course. You know, your memories of uh, Tab are probably a little different from mine. Uh, my only memory from Tab was uh, uh, the last game that I played in fourth grade. We lost 19-2, to and I scored the only two points. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's funny. <laughs> Um, Charles, where did uh, where did you go? Yeah, was it all IPS all the way up to Wood? Yeah, I, I went to public schools uh, all the way up to um, uh, to Wood my uh, freshman, sophomore, and junior year, and then Wood closed down, and then we were kind of allowed or awarded to go anywhere in the Houston so I could have my senior year I could have really went anywhere I was thinking about playing with my friend Randy Whitman at Ben Davis and then I was thinking about going to Attics with Tony Warren my other friend I and then coach called me and said hey man I I got the head coaching job over at Arlington 
would you come follow me in at that time we were living in speedway so that was a long way away but i ended up making it making it work somehow was was broderpool in in that uh hunt i know any of those high schools at that particular time uh, when wood closed no because i to be honest i didn't um i knew some people that went there but i didn't um i i it was just so far i really thought i was, would probably go to attics or northwest somewhere close or washington somewhere you know closer to the speedway area uh, but I really didn't think about Broward because it was on the other side of town. I really didn't think about Arlington until Coach Ward got the job there. You do realize that if, maybe if you went to Ripple, we would have won back-to-back state championships in 79 and 80. <laughs> yeah, I, I, <laughs> I knew Whitson and Jeffrey, you know, and Harold Coleman. I, I mean, I, I knew a lot of players there. We, You know, we used to play during the summertime, but we just – I just – like I said, I just thought it was too far. I, I was catching three buses just to go to Wood. So I probably would have did the same thing going to Ripple. <laughs> now, where did you play your junior high school ball? What what IPS number? Um, I, w- I went to, we were at school 90, which, and then we were at Kennedy Middle School my eighth grade year. Um, and... 90 is where like my seventh and eighth grade year where that's where I when we moved to Speedway that's where I became friends with Tony Warren and his family and stuff and we got close and started playing ball together so so what were your expectations or what kind of what kind of physicality did you have were you you pretty tall going uh, going to wood as a freshman I was skinny as hell, you know, and I didn't know what to expect. Um, we we won the city in uh, my eighth grade year, and then my freshman year when basketball started, we won the city, and then Coach Ward was like, man, you got to play varsity too. So, and he was like, man, you're little, but I was like 6'3 at that time. And I think I only grew one more, about an inch and a half. I ended up like 6'5" but my hair made it look like I was 6'8 because I had a big old afro. So, you know, I played center pretty much. I was a guard my freshman year, and then I ended up playing center uh, from my sophomore, junior, senior year. Uh, Charles, what was, you know, we didn't have AAU back then. What was, uh, I mean, did you guys have a basketball court at the house there in Speedway, or or when did you get together, or where did you play most of your, did you play uh, ball outdoors, and what courts and places did you guys play? Man, we we had a car. We played everywhere, but we had a court right there off of twenty first and Tibbs. It was called Park Lafayette. Matter of fact, my senior uh, coach Knight had a uh, Ron Stewart and a couple of his coaches come up there and watch me play. Even though uh, Knight came like when we played Landon turning him against Tech, uh, but he said. We wouldn't catch you in the, your natural environment just playing outside, and that was one place. We played at Ben Davis. That was a big hot spot. Uh, we played in the Dust Bowls. Uh, we played uh, North Central was a big place where we played outside. Um, Liners Gym, hell, you name it. Then on the um, west side, we played out there with Landon, I mean, not Landon, uh, Ray Tober them at a, at, at a gym called uh, a Liners or whatever. So we we traveled. We played all day. Sometimes we go on the, on the summertime and on the weekends. We even drove down to the Hyper at IU and played play there. We played ball 24-7. On the weekends, we played two or three courts. We just go to one court, close it down, go to the next court, and just keep it going and had a change of clothes in in the car you know the dust bowl does not get a lot of respect that it should because it was great basketball for those who don't know about the dust bowl can you tell us a little bit about the dust bowl and uh, uh, what what would happen there yeah it was it was pretty much every player from indianapolis that was 
some guys that were that were in some of the guys that were in the NBA came back and played during the summertime. Uh, I mean, you name it, it was some. I mean, even old school guys even played in the Dust Bowl, like George McGinnis, Billy Knight. You know, um, so it was a it was a real fun time, and you would you would battle. I mean, just battle, battle. We won it a couple times, um, and it's just straight. Hard nose like playing in New York or where Chicago on the outside court, man. You you would have teams and you would win trophies and stuff. So it it was pretty fun and it was like I said, it was almost everybody played in it. And then I think in '85, um, Pepsi came to um, Indianapolis and, and started the pro the NBA pro am, and then that's when everybody started playing in the in the pro am, and that was real fun also. I mean, the Dust Bowl was like an event. People would bring food, and, and it was like a huge party at the same time. Oh, yeah. The, the parks was, I mean, we played at, man, so many parks, Riverside, Arsenal Park. I mean, it was, I mean, packed, packed. I mean, and people just bring their coolers, and, I mean, pretty much all day, all day affair, you can watch primetime uh, basketball. You know, it was really, really fun. You know, speaking from a guy who has basically no skills in basketball, that's that's how much skill I have in basketball. I remember going to the Ben Davis courts, and I mean, if you didn't if you didn't win, you didn't play. So I got smart, and I brought Scotty Hicks and John Sherman Williams, and and uh, so I decided to stay on the court a little bit longer. Oh yeah, that's how you, that's how you had to do it, and that's we pretty much came came with a, with a crew, so we didn't lose. We pretty much won like all day, and then you know we would close it out until it got dark or whatever. But it, it that's how it was. If you did, if you didn't win, and if you did win, they would only pick maybe one one player off the other team that lost or whatever. And you know you you could actually be out there shooting around forever and not even get in the game. So what? At, at, once you've arrived at Wood High School, uh, I mean, did Wood have a good tradition of basketball for, before you got there? And what was it like to go from freshman to varsity in the same year? It was it was pretty crazy. Wood had a, I mean, the the facilities. This school was like a vocational school, and didn't know a lot of people know about it, but. The facilities, the gym was beautiful. I mean, uh, it was really, really pretty, pretty gym, um, and it, it was upcoming. But everybody from the south side, we kind of stuck together, and our teams got better and better each year. And the older guys that were there playing, and you know, they were wondering like, who the hell is this guy? A freshman get to play varsity? Who is this guy or whatever? And then. You know they they were kind of mean to me at first, and then after they seen that the talent or whatever, they kind of let let that speak for itself, and then everybody jailed and said, "Hey, it is what it is." <laughs> and if I'm not mistaken, Coach Ward was a uh, was he assistant underneath uh, Jumping Johnny Wilson before he took over the head coaching job? Um, I don't know. When I got there, he was the actual. Uh, when I got there. My freshman year, he, that was I, that might have been his first year being head coach. Um, you know, he was uh, he was assistant coach there before, but then, I, like I said, he had another assistant named Joe Ellie, and he was uh, a real good coach also. And uh, and then coach when he took over varsity, then that that was pretty much it or whatever. So he he um, uh, coach War was around for a long time. He's still around. You know, he's a pretty good coach. You know, it's funny that, uh, you know, a lot of people don't know this, but, you know, uh, uh, Bill Smith, who passed away in November of 2014 and coached Broderpool, he actually played, he was actually a woodchuck also and played at Wood. Uh, and I think uh, Johnny, jumping Johnny Wilson, who was, I think, Mr. Basketball 1945, was his head coach. And, of course, there was a gr- another great baller at, at Wood named uh, Bob Cooley who could shoot the lights out too. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I was. I see some pictures in 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 Woods little Hall of Fame case, and it, I see some of the older players, and then uh, he, they used to come to a lot of the games up there. 
So, so what kind of teams did you have uh, while you were at Wood? And then, you know, uh, were you really disappointed, or what? How how much did that throw you off, or when did you? Uh, how early did you know that Wood was going to close, and you had to make a decision to go to a different high school? It really was kind of messed up because we won the city and the sectional at Wood. You know, we won the Southport sectional. And our team was it was pretty good. I think we got down to like the Sweet 16, and then everybody was coming back. So we were excited about that the next year. And then all of a sudden they said, hey, man, Wood is closing. And it was like, Wood is closing? Wow. So everybody kind of like – a lot of the players went – to Arlington, but a lot of them didn't. You know, there's other players that went to Manuel and, and Tech and, and stuff like that. So, you know, there were two or three players that we could have had, and, and uh, we could have been a lot of, a lot stronger if they had a followed us. So Charles was uh, when did you get I know recruiting and uh, getting on the radar was a lot different back then but do you remember your first letter of uh, who wanted uh, you to put on their uh, uniform to play college basketball and and was Oklahoma in the running even before you got to Arlington and started your senior season No man it's people you know people really don't know this I was I was heavily recruited. I mean, I, I mean, I, I had boxes and box like crates and crates of letters. I could have went to Duke any anywhere I really wanted to go, but to be honest, I was I was so stuck on going to IU in Louisville that I I didn't really want to go anywhere else. And then when Knight came to Arlington, he's like, "Hey man, you you'll be playing with Isaiah, you know and." And I had already committed to, you know, just did a, a intent to go to IU. And then um, my actual friend, uh, Tony Warren, which I didn't go to Attics, and he's like, man, Oklahoma's recruiting me, man. We didn't get to play in uh, high school. Let's play together in college. So I waited and said, I said, man, okay, we'll have fun playing together. So that probably was my biggest mistake in reference to probably not actually making it and sticking on the NBA team because I I chose a football school because Oklahoma was a football school at that time. Uh, when we started playing, um, and it was so ironic, IU, uh, the two schools that I wanted to go to, I had a lot of friends from Puncho Wright to Daryl Griffin, Bobby Turner, uh I had friends that went to Louisville, and they was like, Chuck, man, you got to come to Louisville. And then I'll be damned. They won, they won the whole thing that year. <laughs> and then the following year, I IU won, won the national. I was like, oh, God, this is crazy. And uh, we had just started the grounds of, when, when Tisdale came to Oklahoma that we started putting Oklahoma on the map for basketball. They didn't know. Uh, my coach at Oklahoma was Dave Bliss. He didn't know what to do with me. He was like, oh, man, because he believed in playing his freshmen, I mean his seniors over his freshmen. So I was, like, really pissed off. I was like, oh, man, I could have started at IU. I could have started at Louisville. Then I go to Oklahoma, which was really my fourth or fifth choice, and I didn't even get to play that much my uh, freshman year because Bliss – he didn't. He didn't really believe in playing as freshmen, but it was funny because we would have red and white games, and I would I would just piss him off just for the hell of it. I score 40, 50 points, and then they go, "Man, this super freshman is killing them." And and he, same thing. And then he just got so mad at us one time. Uh, Billy, he said, "If this, if he scores one more damn time, we're gonna stay in here till like two o'clock in the morning and just run." And man, I scored on a dunk, and man, we was we stayed up to Lord knows till three o'clock in the morning just running. Everybody was mad at me, so that was kind of funny. Um, and then um, I just like I said, I, I thought me and Tony was going to play together, and and it, nobody really knew, and that everybody was wondering. And at that time, I didn't have a father figure in my life. I which I, I thought I kind of messed up, kind of selfish because my. My mother went to all my basketball games, and 
I honestly should have stayed in Indiana. I mean, that was probably the dumbest thing I probably ever did. But, you know, I did uh, my sophomore year at Oklahoma. In my junior year, I led the Big 8 in scoring. And, you know, I ended up scoring a lot of points. But uh, my senior ended up getting hurt. Um, and all my friends like Ray Tolbert and, and uh, that people that was on the Indiana All-Star team with me, like Steve Bushy, Dave Bastion, and um, Chuck Franz, um, Cam Cameron. All of them was like, oh, man, I, I can't wait till you come to IU. And I'll be damned I didn't even go. So, you know, it was, it was crazy. So it's so, funny how things happen. Yes, it is. And, and so, I mean, because uh, Tony Warren, if I'm not mistaken, and correct me if I'm wrong, didn't he end up going to Butler? Yeah. The guy, and it, it's another coincidence, the guy that OU signed, a guy, his name was Bo Overton, and me and him became real good friends. He was a point guard for OU, and he started three years. So, I mean, we became real good friends, but like I said, I, the reason I went there was because of Tony, and then when they didn't sign him, I, I said, hey, man, I signed with Oklahoma. Tony was in the All-Star game in, in Germany. He came back and said, Man, and he, he knocked on my door, and I seen tears in his eyes. I said, hey, man, what's wrong? He said, man, oh, you signed this other guy. And, man, it's so late. I, You know, I told everybody I was going to Oklahoma, you know, and everybody had kind of filled their rosters. Butler was, was a last-minute deal for him. You know, he was the second leading scorer. I think Tony Adams, like 27, 28, he, he, right behind me. But he uh, – he ended up going to Butler on a on a wheel, you know, because it wasn't he didn't really have nowhere else to go because everybody filled his roster up because he had already committed to Oklahoma, so that was the bad that had ended up a bad situation. But he he ended up liking Butler at the end. You know, you know, we we've advanced a little bit, and I, I want to go back and chat about your senior year and your Indiana All Star experience. But uh, while we're just in this area, did and you guys actually played IU while you were at Oklahoma? Is that correct? Yeah, in the NCAA, um, I think we won the. It was like the second game, second or third round. We played um, in Evansville, Indiana. Uh, I think we won two games. I think we we beat Dayton and then we beat UAB, and then um, uh, we played Indiana in the. Um, I think going into like this the round of thirty two, and then they ended up beating us. And, and what was that like? Was that kind of bittersweet? Did you did you ponder on that before you guys played Indiana? Uh, uh, you know, based upon everything that happened, and and you end up at Oklahoma, and maybe wanted to go to IU or Louisville. Oh, uh, yeah, it was it was it was it was crazy. You know, I t- and the coaches that were there at that time. You know, we were they had came to so many games, and I, you know, I got real close to Coach Stewart, and you know, and you know, it was like. It was really sad when he found out. He said, "Man, I, I really hurt. I thought you were really coming to IU." And the other thing is, it was my senior year, and we—I had just—I missed nine games my senior year. I could have redshirted, but I came back, and my ankle still was wasn't. I, I was going down. We were playing. Um, I think Kansas. I went down and stepped on. Uh, this guy's foot. I was going up for a dunk, so I put a, a lot of pressure on it. I wish it had a broke because it probably would have healed faster. So when we would played, I had like missed a lot of games, and we we were going into the tournament, and then um, there was a lot of bad stuff happened my senior year. Coach Tubbs got hit by a car. One of our players went to get his tonsils taken out. He, he got allergic anesthesia and died. I mean, it was wow. like my senior year was like just seemed like everything was going crazy. And then, matter of fact, Billy didn't even coach us when we played IU. The uh, coach Newell, Bob Newell, I mean Mike Newell, coached us the my senior year when we played IU in in Evansville. <laughs> Gemini. Um, let's go to your senior year of high school. You're at Arlington. What kind of group of players did you have that came together? And and you know how did how did Coach Ward 
put that together, and what kind of season did you have your senior year? We, um, it was a little different because when we went over there, because the guys from Arlington were like, man, who are these guys? You know, they, they, at first they didn't really welcome us too well. And then once we started practicing and playing, then they, then they said, hey, these guys can play. Uh, they can't do nothing but help us. And, um, you know, coach was very disciplined. I mean, he's very fundamental. We did a lot of fundamentals that were some, you know, blocking out, passing, running. I mean, we was we pressed almost the whole game, so we ran a lot of sprints and miles. I mean, he was very disciplined in, in, in reference to working out, and we had fun. Uh, but could nobody say we wasn't in shape because we were we were probably way in shape better than a lot of those other schools. And then um, my senior year, we we won the city, we won the sectional. Uh, uh, then. We lost the. Uh, I take that back. We lost to Ben Davis in the sectional. We beat them. They had just won the county, and we had just won the city. We beat them at Arlington, and then they beat us in the sectional. Um, so we had a, a still had a great season, uh, but it, it was kind of interrupted when we lost in the sectional because we were hoping to go further in the in the state, um, but. Uh, some of the some of the players from Arlington was were hoping we could have went further, but we had, we actually didn't. And then I ended up, you know, get, got on the All Star team. So we, you know, I ended up playing a little longer. But other than that, I wish I wish we could have went further my senior year. And Charles, what was the atmosphere at like at your Wood games, and then can kind of compare it and let us know what the atmosphere was like uh, at uh, at your Arlington gym? Uh, you know, uh, were most of your games sellouts? Were the fans crazy? Was 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 it nuts? Oh uh, yeah, both gyms were both gyms uh, gyms were sold out, but Arlington's gym it was so loud in there because Arlington's gym was smaller than actually Wood's gym. Wood had a bigger gym, but uh, the band and the students were so rowdy at, at Arlington. They used to like threaten us like, y'all lose this damn game, man. We're going to beat y'all up. You know, they were crazy as hell. And we used to have uh, fun. And it was, I mean, seriously loud. I mean, it was standing room only. You run out the tunnel I mean, you you know they you take the ball out on the side. The fans are right there; they can really touch you. I mean, it, it was packed like that every game. So that was one one plus about playing the, the games at Arlington. They really backed their uh, athletics there. So what was what was basketball like in the city at that time? What uh, did you have a favorite high school that you liked to play? Did you have a favorite team that you'd like to beat? Did you feel like any one of those courts in in Indianapolis gave you a little bit uh, uh, more a uh, uh, vertical, although you could jump out of the gym already? You know what? It was funny because the teams that we thought that were was going to be tougher. Like, we beat Howe three times. We beat Washington three times in a year. We beat uh, uh, Northwest three times in that same year. You know, because you play them, like, once at their place, once at your place, and then you play again in the city. And to beat teams like that that are really good, because Washington had uh, Leonard Sullivan, and, you know, they had Dad Donnie McCoy. They had some good players on their team. And they were a lot bigger than we were. Like I said, I was our tallest player at six five, um, playing center. And then um, Rick McKinstry, Bryant, and them from from Ohio, we beat them three times. And then, you know, it's, it's, them were the teams that we, we everybody loved to come watch because they knew it was going to be a close game. But we we pulled it out all, all every time. And then um, we used to like I used to like playing against Marshall. You know, with Poncho them, and then uh, Tech against Landon. You know, they, everybody knew, and Landon's like, "Man, you better not embarrass me." That's what he, he used to always say. Because when when we played Tech, everybody from IU, Bobby Knight was there, and every everybody was there. So we had a good time laughing after the game, and they actually ended up beating us. 
You know, Charles, what, uh, you know, you're coming to the end of your senior year. Was was there was there any thought in the back of your mind of you possibly would be Mr. Basketball, or was there was that out of your mind? And how surprised were you? And, and what what were your feelings like once you got named to the Indiana All Star team? What? Yeah, you know, it was funny because everybody was saying that all the coaches even. Like Shatard's coach, uh, North Central's coach, Lick Leiter, and them, all of them were like, man, you, you're winning Mr. Basketball hands down. Because at that point, I was averaging about 30, and um, we had beat everybody. And, um, and the other, Steve Bushy, I think one of his mother or somebody died, or somebody in his family died. And that's what they were saying. They said, oh, man, that might. Bushy might get it, and I've never seen—I've never even seen Steve play uh, until we got to the All Star game. And then when we got to the All Star, um, they was like we was sick. and when we everybody was playing from Lynn Mitchum to Leroy Sutton, and then they were like, and Dave Bass, and they were like, man, uh, you should have won Mister Basketball, dude. <laughs> you see how. Because they were like, man, you because what we were doing in practice and everything. He's like, man, you, you're by far, you know, the, probably the best player in the city out of state at that time. So that's what everybody else was saying, and, and I didn't really take it to to that man because, um, you know, I didn't know nothing about it until act, actually at the end of the season when the All Star thing came up, and they said, hey, man, you you might be in the running for Mr. Basketball, and then when Steve got it. I mean, he's, he's a, a nice guy, so I it, it didn't really bother me at that thing because it was just a, a, another award, you know, but it is a big deal for Indiana basketball. You know, the Indiana basketball, uh, Indiana Mr. Basketball process, you know, it's it, it's too bad it can't be a little bit more factual and a little bit more transparent in how you become Indiana Mr. Basketball, but in, in life – like so many other things, there's a little bit of politics involved, I guess, and that just that kind of stinks, to be honest with you, at times. Yeah, it does, and because um, there was a, there's a couple. I mean, there's a couple of few basketball players you go back and see, like, man, how the hell he win Mr. Basketball? Amen. <laughs> uh, but but it is what it is, man. You know, so uh, I, I just love playing for you know, Indiana basketball, it was, it was great, you know, and it, and it, it allowed me to, uh, you know, actually get into college free and, you know, then actually get drafted by the Rockets. And then, um, uh, in 85, I actually tried out with the Indiana Patriots, which I honestly thought I was going to make because, uh, we played the Indiana Patriots in the pro-am for the championship game. And, and that's why how I actually ended up getting into Walter Mitty's in, in in the Pacers basketball camp. So that was kind of ironic. Um, the uh, two Indiana All Star games, the one in Kentucky, the one in Indiana. How well did you fare? And and uh, did did you uh, who'd you room with? Uh, and tell us about the experience of playing in the Indiana All Star series. Um. My roommate was David Bastion, so we got to pick up. Me and Bastion were good friends because me, him, and Woody, we used to work out, and we played. I, I played tennis also in uh, in high school. I played tennis, football, and baseball, and basketball, and track. But my uh, I was our number one tennis player at Wood, and David. So I played against David in in the city and in the state, and then um, we became real good friends. Before we even played basketball, I knew him uh, for playing tennis, and then we used to work out, go shooting and running, me, him, and, and like I said, Mike Woodson. And um, so I just said, hey, man, let's let's roommate, and then we did, and we had a, we had a lot of fun. They, uh, Kentucky at that time, man, their, their team was so damn big. It was like they had an NBA team. They had like Father Gill, Charles Hurd, I mean Dirk Minifield. I mean their team was stacked. Uh, but we actually split, and it was crazy. We we won. They won the game at Market Square Arena, and then we won the game up in Kentucky. So it was crazy. It was like 
how did that happen? I don't know. Uh, but it was it was great games or, or whatever. And for some reason, the first game, I didn't get to start. He started Leroy Sutton, and then he started me the second game in Kentucky, and we ended up winning that game. I ended up the leading scorer. Um, and the first play of the game in, um, in Kentucky, uh, Feather – Charles Hurt what came up too far and what's named threw me alley back door and that was the first play of the game was the dunk and them dudes from Kentucky was like oh man you let a guard dunk on you <laughs> so it was it was funny it was really funny so we had a good time man and we had to deal with McDonald's the, so we could get as much food and we had like a McDonald's card and we had so much food in the hotel it was ridiculous so uh, everybody on that team. I think five or six players went to IU, you know, so uh, that's how I met Cam Cameron. He's a real nice guy. So, you know, it, it, we had, we, we had a, we had a good, good, good team and, and uh, a lot of us was really close. Is the all-star, is the all-star experience something that uh, when you were doing it, that do you still t- stay in contact or you chat with or maybe email with uh, or even talk to um, some of the players that you were teammates with? Yeah, I still talk to Bastion. He lives in Florida. Uh, and then um, I still talk to Lynn Mitchell. Um, I've been talking with him on Facebook and, or any he, he calls every now and then. Um, and then some of the older guys like that wasn't on our – like um, I used to – me and Ray Tober was good friends. And Greg Jones from from Plainfield, they, he went to – Oklahoma, and he transferred the Butler, but then were some of the guys that I still keep in contact. Also, uh, but for the most part, I talked about two or three guys from that team. You know, with uh, uh, you mentioned Lynn Mitchum and you mentioned Ray Tolbert, and uh, with that, all the social media that I do, I mean, I, I from what I understand and my perception is, you couldn't find uh, any two better guys than those two guys as human beings. Oh yeah, they're real nice, man. Me and Ray used to, we used to work out like crazy. I mean, from lifting weights, and he was really mad and shocked that I didn't go to IU. He's like, man, I can't believe you went to Oklahoma, dude. <laughs> and we used to play up there at the Y uh, all the time. And I mean, we worked out every day. <laughs> I mean, religiously. And then that's when uh, I, I was with Sherm. Sherman Williams and we used to do the same thing. We played one on one, run sprints, run heels. We we did it all, and that's why Sherman was a great athlete too. We just we worked out, had fun, and respected each other's game. So I, I normally don't get stuck on something, but I've been stuck on something for the past ten minutes, and that is, I don't know if I've interviewed anybody who's been an outstanding tennis player. I mean, how did you get into tennis, and 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 it, was it a hype thing that made you so good, or, or did you did you emulate a certain tennis player, or is it just something to keep in in, in shape with? No, um, when when we moved to Speedway, they actually back in our youth days, they had a, a tennis program called NJTL where the, the tennis circuit actually came, got you rackets, balls, so they kind of taught you how to play. And then I just kept playing and with my athletic ability, had a good serve. And I I, I, I used to work with David. I was the best man. My backhand used to get stronger. And we used to, he used to go practice uh, up in Carmel. That's where he lived. And um, we just played and played and then it's funny because all the other friends that was from addicts and the other schools I would always see them on on the tennis circuit and they go oh man I can't I gotta play you in the thing um but I was really just I still I still play today I love play uh, tennis I don't get out there as much as I should but I love tennis and I love I'm a good bowler I average about a 201 bowling and that I don't even play that much, but I love bowling and tennis. That's what I kind of do now uh, for exercise. 
You know, Charles, once you once you've you know your seniors over, you've you've experienced the Indiana All Star Games, and and now you're on the University of Oklahoma campus. Did you feel kind of homesick? Did you feel like you'd made the right decision? Tell us a little bit about that freshman year and what you had to you know to do to you know uh, get yourself get your head into the game based upon some of the stuff that had happened to you before you got to Oklahoma. Well. I'm not gonna lie. I was I was homesick as hell because it was a different it was a different deal, and my back then our phone bill was so high. Matter of fact, I was rooming with with William Tisdale, and our phone bill was so thick. <clears throat> he would go, "Man, look at this big old phone bill." I mean, it was ungodly, and um, <clears throat> I used to call home and. I'm like, man, we played a game. It, this is really funny. Bliss hadn't played me like nine, ten games in a row. I hadn't even got in the game. <clears throat> so I was kind of pissed off. I was <clears throat> I didn't even I just put my I didn't put my uniform on. I didn't get taped. So when I went there out there to play, I said, shit, I ain't gonna get to play anyway. So I just had my warm ups on. And underwear underneath there, and I'll be damned. <laughs> and I'll be damned. Uh, Coach Bliss said, "Barney, get in the damn game, do your thing. I don't even care." And I had to tell Coach Ass, I said, "Man, I ain't even got my uniform on." <laughs> oh man, everybody was just rolling on the bench, and boy, Coach Bliss had me running for days. And he was so mad at me, and uh, but that was. That was one of the funniest things that happened. And um, so we were playing Pepperdine, like two, three games. And Pepperdine was beating the hell out of us. And he just got pissed. And he just said, hey, Chuck, go in there and do your thing. I don't even care. So I scored 18 points in, in a half. Didn't even play the first half, but the second half. And then the next game, I didn't get in again. And so – I was like, man, what is this? I, I figured that was the straw that broke, you know, broke the uh, coach's <laughs> back and still didn't get in. So it was hilarious. And um, but we had um, we had a lot of uh, stuff that happened my freshman year, and then uh, I just said, hey, I got so fed up and pissed off with Bliss. Uh, he ended up. I didn't know that. He's like, hey, Bliss is transferring to SMU. I'm like, what? Well, who the hell is going to be the head coach? And Coach Tubbs was coming in. I had already talked to Denny Crum. I was in the process of I was going to transfer to Louisville. And uh, Coach Tubbs said, hey, man, dude, we already know you should have been playing. Uh, if you stay, I promise you you'll have the green light. So I went from not even playing my freshman year to my sophomore year. I led the conference in scoring. My sophomore junior year, and then uh, people didn't know who the hell I was because I didn't I didn't have no stats. It's like, how, who's this dude averaging 19 points? And where did he come from? Hell, I was always there. I I was on the bench. So that was kind of ironic, you know. And, and all conference, right? That uh, did you get all conference your sophomore year? or Was it your junior yeah. year? Yeah. Both more and juniors, yeah. Mm-hmm. When did so Wayman? It was great. It was crazy. When did Wayman Tisdale show up? Was Wayman that your? My senior year was Wayman's freshman year. Mm-hmm. Wayman came in and averaged twenty-four points, almost twenty-five points as a freshman. Mm-hmm. How did you take and, that? What? 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 And, uh, yeah, my junior year. My junior year. I actually had pro teams talking to me about coming out. And he's like, man, you let the big eight score again. You want to um, – Dallas was talking to me. Houston was talking to me. And at in San Antonio was really – it was like, man, you ought to come on out. But back then, coming out, it wasn't that big of a deal. You know, it, wasn't, it was kind of unheard of. Um so I stayed. I said, "Nah, man, we got we got Wayman coming. We gonna we gonna win way more games. We we had we won twenty games my junior year, 
And then when Wayman came, we only ended up winning 22. We won two more games. So I was like, damn, I should have went. Because, <laughs> like I said, I ended up getting hurt my senior year and missed nine games and ended up still getting drafted by the Rockets. But uh, other than that, it was, you know, it was okay. And, and tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, what, what's the comparison between, uh, I, from what I understand so far, Dave Bliss just liked to play, play seniors, but what was the coaching philosophy difference between uh, Coach Bliss and uh, Coach Tubbs? I was like night and day. Bliss was <laughs> like, he, it was like pass the ball like five times, set three or four picks, you know. He was real defensive oriented minded coach, but he he was real stern because he, he he used to actually coach with Bobby Knight at uh, West Point. You know that's what Bliss Bliss was one of his assistant coach. I mean, uh, he was one of Knight's assistant coach at West Point. Um, and then he went, and then all my my daughter was playing, uh, all out the blues. I hear my name. I hear my name calling. I'm like, man, is somebody saying Chucky? So I, I turned around. It was Coach Bliss. We were in Marble Falls, this little town in in in, in Texas, where my daughter had a, a a tournament, and he was there. So he comes up, talks to my wife and my daughter, and was going, man, this is one guy that I I probably really messed up. I probably should have played him. And then I'm like, okay. After he said, "Now he gonna tell," now he gonna tell tell me this, you know. <laughs> so he told my daughters that, and it was, and Tay was like, "Dang!" So uh, she was getting recruited to Baylor. So she, we went to Baylor, and he was the coach. He was at he was the head coach at Baylor at that time, and then that's when his ass got in trouble when he, you know, the <laughs> Baylor players got murdered, and he was trying to cover it up, you know. So that was crazy. So I was like, man. You know, at, at the end of your senior year, Charles, what was it What was it like preparing for the NBA? And, you know, so far, man, you, you've had a lot of uh, things not go your way, but you still have a, a great attitude about things. And, and, and tell us about your attitude growing, going into that NBA draft and tell us a little bit about professional basketball and the ups and downs. Well, um, when I got drafted by the Rockets, it was uh, Ralph Sampson went number one, and then Steve Sepetovich went to the Pacers at two, and Rodney McCray was number three. So the Rockets had two first-round picks. Uh, and then um, I had a great camp, and I honestly thought I was going to make it, and then um, they kept me so long uh, that my roommate – was Craig Elo and Craig like broke his ankle like the second day of practice and it wasn't even, we weren't even playing he was doing a drill and he broke his ankle and he, he came back to the hotel Chuck I signed I was like oh shit I already knew there wasn't no more room I knew I was going to get cut but they just kept me kept me kept me and kept then uh, the coach came and said hey man we're going to have to let you go or whatever uh, like to come back again next year, and I was like, man, shit, if I can't make it the way I played, because I, I had an excellent camp, and then so in '85, um, I in '83 I ended up playing in the CBA, uh, and then '85 I, I uh, the Pacers we were playing in the pro am, and the Pacers said, um. Man, we gonna come watch you play because we y'all playing. We played the Pacers for the championship game. They had Steve Sapanovich, Vernon, Victor Fleming, Ron Anderson. I think Chuck Person might have been playing. Who else was playing? Uh, Walker Russell was playing. They had a good team, but we played them in the championship game. And at that point, I led the nation in scoring in the pro am. In 10 games, I scored 508 points. So I was averaging 50.1 points a game. Wow. And Chuck Person and Ryan Anderson said, your ass ain't getting 50 on us, buddy. That ain't, that's not going to happen. So we started playing. The end of the third quarter, I only had 27 points. I had 20. He said, I told your ass we're getting 50 on us. 
Billy, I got ungodly hot. <laughs> I scored 36 points in the fourth quarter. We ended up beating them. I was hitting threes. I was hitting just everything that I shot was falling. And uh, my players on our team said, no, nah, he didn't get 50 on y'all. He got 63. <laughs> wow. So all the coaches all the coaches were there. Billy Knight, I mean, all all the coaches mailed them and said, man, you you going to to the camp. So I went to the camp. It was at Bray Buffs. I knew Bray Buffs gym like the back. We used to play there so much. So I had another phenomenal shooting thing. He said, man, you can shoot this basketball. I was getting right up after right up after right up. So I, my friend Tony Peeble said, hey, man, damn, you're going to make this, ain't you, dude? I said, I, I hope so. Yeah, same thing. They kept me to the last day to – if they had kept me the next day by noon, they would have had to pay me for the whole season. They signed Sidney Lowe and Dwayne McClain. I was like, oh, hell no. And I had already played with them in camp. They wasn't that good. Dwayne McClain could jump, but I could too. But couldn't either one of them really shoot or, or really score. You know, they had just won the, won the national championship. Another one, Kate, was in the final four. So they signed those guys, and then I, I just said, hey, man, I'm going overseas. So that's what I did. I went overseas and played in um, uh, Milan, you know, so that's that's what I did. And, and how was that? Uh, how was how long did you play overseas? I played uh, a few years, and then um, I actually came back in the States, and um, I was working out. And the actual go trotters was playing, and the dude said, "Hey man, we want you in the in the glow trotters camp because they wanted me as one of the dunkers." And I said, "Okay, I'll go to camp hello." And then they was talking about money, and then um, I was in camp, and Marcus Haynes came up to me, and Metalark and said, "Hey man, we going to start our own team." because we have contract disputes with Dave Sapperstein and the Gold Trotters. I said, and I said, well, what's the deal? And he said, well, man, you own that, you already own the team. So Marcus said, hey, already, it was going to be called Marcus Haynes and, and the Harlem Magicians. So we took to the road, and I played with him for a year. And then and a lot of people didn't know that, but I w- they had a little order for Sports Illustrators, uh, and I was – actually had fun on the road with them for a year and then I went back overseas and played in Singapore and Malaysia my last year and then I just after that I got into real estate and got a regular job how difficult was that uh, Charles to to hang up the sneakers it was pretty hard because um, I guess maybe a total of 13 years of playing you know and then it was really hard because uh, even the with Marcus Haynes and them, it was regular comedy ball, really. And then we would play in prison sometime, or play in Chicago, or some of them rough cities where they would go knock Marcus down, and then Marcus go, "Hey man, play regular." You know, then you would get to play regular basketball. But as far as just quitting, because I, I I I feel I really thought I still could play, but. At that that point, I got kind of tired of traveling, you know, living in and out of the suitcase. And um, then um, I got into real estate, and then now I'm in the entertainment. So that's it, it kind of gets my mind off of it. But my daughters played, and so that was satisfying to me also. You know, I, I want to talk about your family a little bit, but I also, I mean, it seems, you know, listening to your story that, I mean, how did you keep upbeat and and positive with some some of the shouldas, couldas, and woulda's? Um, well, my mother, you know, we were always church going people, so you know, if it was, I always felt that if it was, because when we used to go play Ben Davis and our, if we play, and even Ryan Anderson, some of the even a, a lot of the Patriots guys, even Stepanovich was like, man, I can't believe they didn't sign you, man. After you did that to us, and they were sitting up there watching that, you know, 
uh, you ought to be in the lead. Because now when I see these guys playing, half of them can't even play. You know, they drafting these guys one and done now. And, you know, they're on they're going on potential. And, and they play the little one and two years, and then they're done. You, you never even hear from them again because they're really not they're really not uh, fundamentally sound or really ready for the NBA. You know, and I think that's that's to me now the way they do it is you can tell. You know, now there's only two rounds. You know, back in our day it was ten, twelve rounds of draft. You know, you had solid players. Now, if you went ten rounds, you you couldn't do it because of the talent level's not there. Uh, hell, even in the middle of the second round, you you start hearing names. You uh. Steve Mabuki of the Amazon. I mean, you don't even know who the hell. You're like, who the hell is that? I was like, so, I mean, that's how it is. Like, even in this draft coming up, the same thing will happen. You know, you, you, they get to a point where they get to, like, the 45th pick, and they don't really know who the hell. They just, who to draft. So, it, it's crazy, you know. So, I just try to stay positive and, and if if it's if it's God's will, then if it was, if it wasn't, you know, if it didn't happen, it didn't happen. <laughs> um, uh, talk about your family a little bit and how basketball is involved. Um. Well, I was married for twenty four years. I'm not married now, but I had two daughters, and both daughters played basketball. Um, Taylor was the youngest. Uh, she was right at six foot. She was a point guard. She we, she played at a private school, and she led caps and scoring. And then she now she, and then she got a scholarship to play at Pepperdine. Um, and then after that, she graduated, and then she got her ma- I mean, she's on her masters now. But she, uh, her mother really didn't want her to play um, in the WNBA. And then my daughter that went to Purdue. Lindsay Wisdom, she played five years in the WNBA. She's at she's at right at six three, and now she's assistant coach at Purdue. Wow, pretty nice. So, what does Charles Barnett do do today? Are 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 you not retired? You're still in the real estate business? No, I I, I shuffle a little bit, but. Shoot, man, with this flood and all that now, the financing on houses is a little harder now. Uh, I'm in the entertainment business now. Uh, I have a nightclub here, like a dinner jazz club, and then uh, I um, I do concerts at the Smart Financial Center here in, in Houston, and then nationally we do concerts all around the world, and like we did two in Arizona last year at Arizona and Arizona State at uh, the Wells Fargo so they're basketball stadiums so we give away five ten thousand dollar scholarships at at each concert for the students uh for continuing educations and um so that's been been fun so we we we're working on uh, we do a back to school concert and an out of school concert what do you think about the game of basketball in the state of Indiana today? Is it? I mean, uh, you follow it much? Is is it is what it is? Do you think it'll ever be back to what it was? Um, uh, what are your feelings on on the game and how it's changed? Um, yeah, it has changed big time. When I see the see, when I I went back to one of our reunions and um, we were watching. I think Warren Central was playing somebody. I'm like, dang, man, this is totally different from when I was playing. Well, for one, the kids kids today, you know, everything is so social media, and these kids, they don't really play. Like, we didn't never go inside. We we played sun up, sun down. We played basketball, football, whatever we we did. We never came down. You can't get the kids to even go outside because they got Xbox and PlayStation. So it's a totally they're, they're not the athletes are not as is as talented as 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 they are back when we were playing. Uh, you know, you got a few kids that come out and and do pretty good, but now the AU, you get your brand, you get your AU team, you get your you try and get spotted on the radar to go to do Kentucky or Kansas so you can go one and done and that's it it's 
it's no more tradition where, hey, man, I'm going to play with Raymond Tisdale. Shit, no, you're not. He's, he's one and done. I'm going to play with Trey Young. No, you're not. You, you, he's, he's, he's out of here in a few weeks. See, it's, it's, I don't like that. And I, I think until they change that back to where, I don't know, I think they ought to do it like football. Shit, you ought to can't come out till you're 21, man. Because, you know, you get them at 18 and, you know, they play two, three years, they make that little money, and then, you know, they disappear. If you don't get to play or, or whatever, they really don't get time to learn the game the way it's supposed to be taught or whatever. And uh, you can't really – Oh man, I'm gonna go play with that player. You know, you, that's that's a thing of the past, and I don't think Indiana basketball will be. I'm just thinking to just keep doing what it is. You know, every now and then you'll get a a player that can really play, but you know, it is what it is. Charles Chucky Barnett, uh, in 1979, Indiana All-Star, All-Conference, and in the Big Eight at the University of Oklahoma. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. I know we ran a little bit long. I know you got a busy schedule, but I appreciate your time, and I think everyone will enjoy this. Okay. Billy, I appreciate it, man, and uh, you take care. I'm, it's 72 here today, so I'm, I'm going out to enjoy the weather. I know it ain't 72 there. 